I'm Pastor Brian Paulson, and this is The Message. We're glad you're listening here in Libertyville, in Lake County, or around the world. Center your heart now with the prayer for illumination. Listen deeply to the scripture and allow the message to speak God's word for your life. Please join your hearts with mine in our prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers realized that their father was now dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us? and wants to pay us back seriously for all the terrible things we did to him. So they approached Joseph and said, Your father gave orders before he died, telling us, This is what you should say to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's sins and misdeeds, for they did terrible things to you. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God. Joseph wept when, he spoke to the, when they spoke to him. His brothers wept too, fell down in front of him, and said, We're here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I God? You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people, just as he's doing today. Now don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. So he put them at ease and spoke reassuringly to them. May God bless to our understanding the reading from his holy word. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at verse 21 to the end of the chapter. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought, him, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant did not have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he had, and that the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him, and said, Please, be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him, and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, Pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant! I forgave you all the debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. 
Well, the other day I was on a Zoom call. Are any of you still having to do Zoom meetings? I think we haven't gotten rid of that, have we? And I was on this call, and I found myself looking at a person I've known for some years, and I thought to myself, wow, they don't look a day older than the first day I met them. And so trying not to squint too closely at the screen, I was wanting to figure it out, and suddenly it dawned on me, they were using a filter, you know, like those uh, TV anchors get for themselves, or like some people, none of us, of course, do, uh, who make selfies for their uh, social media posts. You know, I was thinking about it, and I want to have, uh, I want to have a filter like that on my mirror at home. I, I wonder if they make any of those. Um, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I see lines, I see stubble, sleep in my eyes. I wonder if I can hide that with a filter. I, I'm asking this as I begin today because I wonder whether we are living or whether we are fibbing. I mean, how often do we pretend with ourselves, putting on a kind of moral filter over the picture of our lives, screening out the unseemly truths that the people closest to us see every day and they know all too well? Or how often do we hear ourselves being least tolerant of people who have traits which we so obviously wrestle with in our own character and soul? How often, when we look at ourselves in the moral mirror, are we using a filter of denial? Who are we kidding? I guess the problem is that taking off that filter is very uncomfortable. We prefer to live unaware of our own bias. We pretend that we have no sin. After all, it's much easier to point a finger at someone else who is doing wrong than to see the wrong in ourselves. We are, after all, good people, right? Now, in his famous book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer made a diagnosis of this condition. He called it cheap grace. Uh, our guest today, whom you'll meet later in worship, uh, comes from the city where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was born and raised. Cheap grace, according to Bonhoeffer, is a kind of moral get-out-of-jail-free card. Such grace, he wrote, is the grace we bestow on ourselves, preaching forgiveness without repentance, baptism without Christian discipline, communion without confession. That's not living. That's fibbing. Christian faith invites us into a deeper joy than the soft gel, happy filters of denial. Now here at First Press, we want you to discover a deeper joy so that God's joy can break out in our community, in our world. Today, as on every Sunday, we will be reciting the Lord's Prayer together. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, when I'm leading that prayer at a wedding, I always slow down in that part of the prayer because of all the different words from different Christian traditions. And whatever it is, we know it is a mel of a hess, as my old preaching professor used to say. When it comes to our debts, to debts and debtors, Jesus' parable is meant to make us uncomfortable in a way that makes us want to do better. The point of a parable is to spur us into action. Now this passage today in the Gospel begins with Peter asking Jesus, how many times do we have to put up with a sinner in our midst? How many times do we have to forgive them? Seven times, maybe, he asked. And Jesus said, no, more like 77 times. And then he goes on to illustrate. Jesus begins by describing a person who carried a huge debt. Now, when I say huge debt, I'm talking about 10 bags of gold coins, as it says in our reading, or talents, if you have an older version of Scripture. That is the ancient measure. One talent equaled three years' worth of wages. So consider this, the debt that this servant slave had was a lifetime of labor. 30 years worth of work was owed to the king. So this man is in debt and on account of his debt all of his possessions and even the man's family was about to be sold to settle accounts until the man asked for patience. Now, somehow, this servant was claiming that if you're patient, then I can pay off this 30-year debt. No problem. I got it. But the king, instead of setting up a payment plan with this fellow or simply casting him away, had compassion, releasing him and forgiving his debt. Now just stop and think for a minute about the foolish extravagance of this king. I wonder what Jesus is teaching here. Here Jesus shows just how extravagant God's love is for this world. And how, that, is, that is how extravagant God's love is for each of you as well. Now, for the sovereign in this story, for God, this is costly grace. Costly grace. What the Apostle Paul called the foolishness of the cross. But the parable goes on. Now, think about this. One coin, one denarii, was equal to one day's wages. So the man whose debt was forgiven, 30 years' worth of debt was forgiven, left prison, went out on the street, and saw a man who owed him a hundred days' wages. He had just been forgiven for 30 years' worth of wages, and this debtor he met made the very same request of him. Have patience with me. I can pay it off. But the forgiven man refuses 
and he sends this other slave, a debtor, into prison. Now everyone looked on what happened and they were aghast. Word made it to the king. The king says, you were forgiven. Should you not also have been able to forgive? And this is the question Jesus puts to Peter in response to what stirred the beginning of this parable. In the parable, the unforgiving man was sent into a tortured life seeking to pay off a lifetime of debt. He could have changed his life to forgive and live. Instead, he chose to live a life of death. Now, I was panning for gold on this passage, and I came across insight by Raquel St. Clair Lenton. She is a professor at Eden Seminary in Missouri, and she is what's known in her tradition as an itinerant preaching elder in the African, in the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Memphis. She was the first African-American woman to graduate from Princeton Theological Seminary with a forever bound to our debtors as long as we refuse to free them from their debts. She says that both slaves lose in Jesus' parable. And she goes on further to say that their losses will ripple through the lives of those to whom they are connected. The absence of forgiveness, she says, binds us to the offender in the offense. Now, uh, when I was traveling in Poland, I was struck by the beauty of that culture, its music, all of the various people that have lived and contributed to society in so many ways, and of course also caught by the tragedy uh, that is the legacy of the Holocaust that was brought upon that land. And I learned about the controversial figure of Eva Kor. And I say this controversial because she was a Romanian Jew who survived the Auschwitz death camp in, that the Nazis put on Polish land. I'm going to talk some more about things I saw in Poland on Tuesday at Lunch and Learn. Now, Eva is not controversial because she survived Auschwitz. She's controversial because of forgiveness. And I want to step carefully into this subject because no one can forgive the Holocaust, the systematic death of millions and the destruction of a whole culture of people in Poland. Eva didn't forgive the horrors of the Holocaust. That wasn't hers to forgive the way in which she was living with such a weight upon her spirit that when she learned that there was a signed testimony confessing the sins of a doctor from Auschwitz, she was moved to forgive him. And she said that when she forgave him, she found herself able to move forward with her life. What she offered that man was 
costly grace. Uh, we can turn to America. I was traveling across Poland with Craig Howard, our executive presbyter who has come and preach here. He's an African-American man who grew up in a south suburb of Chicago, and he was reflecting upon their history and our history. I wonder what we can say about slavery in America, an institution that stole human lives, denying human rights and dignity to generations of families. Now, there's a very famous figure, Frederick Douglass, who escaped slavery and became one of the most articulate abolitionists in history. He wanted basic human dignity and justice for all those whose lives were stolen by that wretched American institution in our history. He understood God's law of love and that to love a neighbor is to affirm their dignity and to uphold their human rights. Now, later in life, Douglas was able to meet and confront his former slave master. And he did so by leveling the playing field. When he met him, he offered to him the very same humanity that Douglas had been denied as a slave. He dared to say to his old former master, I love you. And then he went on to say, but I hate slavery. Now he was talking about costly grace. He was not forgiving slavery. He was leveling the playing field with love that is amazing. Sin requires repentance and change, and even and perhaps especially systemic sin. The grace of God, that is what frees us and allows us to move forward with our lives. Now, honestly, there's no way anyone can properly address the injustice and inhumanity of slavery or the Holocaust in just a handful of minutes. These are injustices worthy of a lifetime of meditation and responsible action. But let's just dial it back a bit and think for a moment now about the kind of sin and forgiveness that most of us wrestle with every day in our own lives. In 1943, from his prison cell, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote to a niece on the occasion of her wedding. And he said, in a word, live together in the forgiveness of your sins. For without it, no human fellowship, least of all a marriage, can survive. Don't insist, don't blame, don't judge or condemn, but forgive each other. And every day from the, do so from the bottom of your hearts. Don't pretend in this life. Don't go on fibbing in our living. Let us turn from sin and turn to God, turning to each other in the process. 
forgive, to live. So let us live together in the forgiveness of our sins. Let us forgive to live. This I deliver to you in the name of the Holy Trinity who creates, redeems, and sustains the world in amazing grace. Amen. Thank you for listening on our podcast or through our YouTube playlist of sermons. Be sure to forward this message to someone who you believe is seeking God's word today.